0: Hello everyone and uh, welcome to another episode on Continental Aspire Soccer TV. Today I have a really good guest, um, very intriguing guest, very unique guest, um, um, definitely outside of our norm. um, And his name is Marcus Garborg Vjortov. Thanks thanks
1: for the entire name there. Thanks. Shout out to my mom's maiden. Welcome to the show, man. (laughs) Thank you very much.
0: I hope I pronounced it well because, you know, Scandinavian names, they, they they're they're very I would always find them very unique, you know, very yeah, unique, yeah. very, very, very interesting, you know.
1: <laughs> no, listen, I think you did very well. And you're the first one to introduce me with my with my mother's maiden name, which after all is part of my name. So I appreciate uh, I appreciate that inclusion
0: absolutely man 100 percent. you know i won't tell you my middle name because i don't want to embarrass people you know what i mean of this you know chat maybe we'll, you will yeah that's it man i put it on there people on linkedin will be will be uh, making fun of me till the cows come home. <laughs> <from>, you know
1: <laughs> so we'll kind of
0: just leave leave that one out of it but um <laughs> but 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 no um like i say it's it's great it's great to have you on another episode um of and aspire soccer tv where we kind of speak about just many different things marcus and i know we obviously have obviously been been speaking and obviously just um kind of going back obviously before we get into the main subject and we just kind of i just want to just want our viewers to get get to know you a little bit more and um just kind of imagine imagine we're growing up um and 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 kind of and we're going to school um, and who is marcus if we're in high school together who's marcus
1: Tell us who he is that's a good question you know there are many angles to that but I guess I can take the uh, the, the ordinary one um, but basically I um, you know I see myself as an, an explorer and uh, and football is a means by which I can explore and and, and be adventurous um, I have a certain way I want to live as of right now and I've been given the means to do so so because of my upbringing obviously my father uh, had a very good football career. And as such, I was born in, in in England and lived there for my first five years, born in Swindon of all places. So I've spent a lot of my years at an international school with a few exceptions of a few sports schools, Norwegian sports schools. And so, you know, when you have that foundation and that exposure to a lot of different countries and cultures and having been gone to the international school and all that entails, um, you know, I was always I was always interested in 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 seeking simu- stimulation abroad, uh, so to speak. And so, um, when I was twenty, I went to American college. I saw in a, I got an Amer- a scholarship at Duke University, which for me, you know, it's it's obviously a very good school. And I was looking for one that was uh, a good balance between the academics and the athletics. Um, and I knew it was a very good school, but then when I got there. You know, it's all the more proven how how good it was because I didn't come there with any bias. I, I I I got to experience it all for myself, and and I had the most incredible four years. I made some lifelong friends, I met my girlfriend that I'm still with, and um and I had a goal when I went there to um you know I thought okay let me let let me set myself a lofty goal. I want to get drafted in MLS. Got, got drafted my last my last after my last season by the seattle sounders and as football is it's it's a tough business as you know i didn't get drafted for different reasons um and so i had to, i finished my master's degree because i got my bachelor's and my master's degree from duke and then i thought you know what i've given my i've, I've earned myself the freedom to to pursue my dream for a bit which was to play professionally um and so to much back and forth, I went to New Zealand in, in September and played there, met some incredible people again, got to call a place that I just merely deemed the little island next to Australia. No offense to any Kiwi listeners, but that's all I knew. And I got. I was able to call it home. Um, and it was an incredible, in, a beautiful country. And then I thought, OK, you know what? I want to give myself uh, another opportunity, was able to get a trial with Hamilton Academical in the Scottish Premiership. Three week trial, got offered a contract, joined them the following season, played there, and for one season, came back, and then I eventually went to Greenock Morton, which is in the Scottish Championship, and you know that's part of my my journey. Um, and as I say, you know, being able to have those two degrees now, I think I have all the more freedom to pursue a football career, and I'm, I'm I know I'm aware of my privilege when it comes to that because. You know, for footballers, it's tough. You have to make certain decisions when you're 16, 17. I, I, I deemed it necessary for me. I said I wanted an education, but I also want to pursue football. What better place to do that than America? And that gave me the foundation by which now I can, you know, explore and 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 play football professionally. And let's see how long that lasts. But for now, I'm you know I'm very happy as to as to where I'm at at in my journey.
0: Right, and so if we kind of go through that, so obviously your your so your parents they're they're both from they're both from Norway, Um mm-hmm. so that's kind of that's kind of where your family originally from, and so in in terms of looking at um kind of your upbringing, so obviously your dad he obviously was he a big influence was he is he a, was he a big role model to you growing up? Um, yeah,
1: my dad, my dad's my 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 dad's my you know. My, my parents are my biggest role models. Um, my parents have given me everything and um, and my dad obviously uh, because of him I got into got into football as you do when you have when you're a young young little boy and and, and, and you see your father as a professional footballer um, and while my mother has been there as a, as a great as a, as a great guidance as well like two of my best friends too so I owe them owe them so much for the for the opportunities they've afforded me. On the topic of football i've never felt pressured to play it's all been because of my love for the game um my dad's never pushed me so i don't have to do this or do that That my discipline and my um and my acknowledgement of what it needs to what there needs to be in order to be good um has always has, has come by itself pretty much but of course if you have a father as, uh, as a footballer you're also exposed to what the industry entails what it requires to be a footballer and you 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 become become rather observant of that whether it is when he plays or when he was sporting director when you know so you 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 know you know the industry a bit better and you know what it takes you know nothing really surprised you now and and obviously he's now a great a great person for me to talk to because he's been through it all too you know whether Whether you play uh, in the Premier League or Scottish Championship or whatever, footballers still have the same problems, it's just on a different scale. But it's all this, you know, manager selection, uh, you're not playing, you are playing, I'm playing well, I'm playing poorly. Those are all the same and to have him as 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 a guidance and as a reference point obviously helps me a lot.
0: And so in terms of, so kind of growing up, so we kind of just go back. So you were born in Swindon. um, Mm -hmm. And so uh, Swindon gets a lot of flack um, in (laughs) in the part of the UK that it is, um, as you probably know. Um, And um, so from there, so kind of just take us through that path. So how long were you in Swindon? And I know you mentioned then you went to Germany. Kind of take us on on kind of that path of your early life and to where Mm -hmm. you are today. I mean my dad you know he talks uh, he
1: talks about loyalty, but he played for twelve clubs during his career, eleven clubs so you know he he moved about moved around a bit and I think that tested my mom for a bit because you know he went to Swindon had a rough patch there and then he started scoring goals for fun wasn't born in Swindon and then you know a year later moved to Millsborough and played in Millsborough and then he moved to Sheffield and then he said okay this is where we're going to settle down like this is where I want to spend the rest of the career like we'll have a house here and then you know a few months or whatever a year later you know you're you're loan at Barnsley and then you're going to Eintracht Frankfurt in, in the Bundesliga so um, you know as a kid you don't you're not really phased by it. you're too young to really really acknowledge it but of course for my for my for my for mother and, and and father, you know, to to travel around as they did. You know, that's the life of a footballer. Um and um thank God for having for having you know loving and fantastic people around. Um and so I went from from England to Germany, and, and I played for Eintracht. Eintracht Frankfurt. Was my first proper club that I played for. Um, I remember scoring a goal in my first uh, in my first game for the for the for the club or for the team of players that were one year older. And I think that was the only goal I had. But it was all new to me. I was exposed to the, the most. This, the strictest German coach the most stereotypical German coach you could have. And we were six years old and he, we wow. were being fined if we came late for, for, for training and stuff like that. Um, and mm-hmm. my mother and father are a bit different when it comes to time setting, but we came late for, for training in my mother and we were being fined. And, uh, and then on another occasion, we, we played a game and um, we had one, I don't know if I've even played and I don't remember the incident all too well, but we'd won and for an hour, the, uh, the head coach gave us, a, gave us like a bollocking because we hadn't played well enough. We were six years old. So that was kind of the exposure to that uh, German uh, football mentality. Um, and so, yeah, I went to live there for two, two years, and then I came to Norway where I lived for 13 years until, until I left for America. Right.
0: And, and so when you kind of take all those experiences, was it to you as a kid, did you really enjoy the adventure? Um, for from Sweden to them being then up until you went back to Norway,
1: I think it's something that you look back in retrospect and see kind of how subconsciously it has affected you. Um, having gone to um, you know international schools uh, in Germany and Norway, it, that's it's all you know. So you don't really you can't really compare with anything. It's it's that's the life. You know, I, I grew up. Uh, speaking Norwegian and English and so that's that's what I knew and uh, the people that I was around and uh, in terms of sp- talking English on a regular basis but also being around with people from all corners of the world at, 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 at these schools it was something that now I can in retrospect say ah, okay that's that makes sense that makes sense why I may, might want to uh, seek those opportunities elsewhere why I perhaps, Despite the flag, and I'm extremely proud of Norway. Why I don't necessarily, you know, have lived there for the last what is it, seven years? And that's because, you know, I, I uh, before I see myself returning, but until then, I have this extreme um, desire to to explore uh, explore the world, and football has so far been a means by which I can explore it.
0: Yeah, no, that that's right. That's an incredible journey, man. And um, and then my, my next one is um, um. So so when you so um, no um, when you were in, in, in Germany in the Bundesliga, so um um, sprechen wir Deutsch. Sprechen wir-
1: ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch, ein bisschen Deutsch. Ich verstehe viel, aber ich kann ich uh, so gut uh, sprechen
0: so you can give us the translation i only know a few words and i know a few words in german my sister is a fluent german speaker and so is my mom funnily enough Um, okay don't don't show them
1: this clip to them though because my (laughs) pronunciations are terrible
0: (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'll have to get you scored on that. I'll say to my yeah, sister, yeah. I'll, say, I'll just say, what's his German? Like, give me a score to 1 to 10, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, let me know. It's very basic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. So, so anyway, so obviously we just fast track and you're, you're obviously moving back to Norway. And so this is literally outside of maybe visiting Norway. So what age are you at this point by the time you, mo- you move back at what, 13 years of age?
1: no seven actually because i've five years in england and then two and a half in in germany and then okay. my dad goes to end his career um at a uh, at a norwegian club when he's 34 35 um so we go back there and i think you know having lived 12 years abroad then i think was you know there was a after a while you know you you know all all Rosalie back home in a sense um and so and so I think that was a natural move for them then and then you know had a had a fantastic uh, fantastic life in in Norway and you know with a bit more stability if you may in the sense that you know you've had a house that we lived in and still live in now
0: okay okay so in terms of what part of Norway is that which part of Norway is that right
1: outside Oslo Right outside Oslo.
0: Right outside Oslo. That that's that's actually quite interesting because I actually I actually um I obviously have met quite a lot of Norwegian people over the years, even um, players and, and things like that, but also people that are non-players. Um and, and I remember um from looking at countries outside the EU, I've always looked at Norway, <laughs> and they're a country that is um has obviously been been quite successful <laughs> so they're kind yeah, of a country right. we're trying to emulate in the uk right now i'm sure because we're not, mm-hmm. no longer in the eu um so so kind of give us kind of your your journey being back in norway um and then kind of to obviously the in terms of just the kind of the political landscape because i know we've kind of spoken a little bit about mm-hmm. that um mm-hmm. and in terms of and then up until going to the united states um i think it'd be good because it's there's two good contrasts there i think marcus Yeah, absolutely
1: oh and I can we could I could talk through that through that lens of comparison because um I've been you know I've had a very privileged upbringing and I've like I've said I've been in in these international schools and and for me I've it 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 was uncomplicated in the sense that I was I, I I was friends with all from with people from all all over the world right and so for me you know, issues of race and culture and, 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 and as such, as much, as much diversity as it was, it didn't really affect me because we were kids. Like we didn't think in those, in those lanes. And so that was never an issue for right. me being part of these schools. Um, um, and then you can say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm white. Right. So for me to be exposed to um, these issues, I'm not necessarily as, you know, it's not necessarily as um, prevalent for me because, because simply of of you know my ethnicity, and so I say that because in Norway I never, I never stumble upon those those issues, and and nor was the debate in 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 Norway as such in which in which there was a platform where the, those issues could be explored, and I then bridge into America because when I go then to to Duke. My, my perspective on it widens because, um, you know, Duke is a liberal is a liberal school. Um, and then there were a couple of a few incidents there. Um, and so in that sense, my perspective widened because then I'm all of a sudden like, wow, like wow racism like, I, you know, Bit naively, but I'm like I'm, I thought racism, you know, used to be or it wasn't that bad or whatnot, and then and then I see wow, racism actually is you know, is is a deeper seated issue in America. And obviously, America has a very, um, a very it's very deeply ingrained in the country because of obvious, uh, obvious happenings. Um, but then I'm seeing okay, wow, this and then and then on the topic of a free speech and and what can be censored and and all that and all these issues then come into the foray for me and issues that I wasn't really used to in, in in Norway and so that became a pretty prevalent contrast coupled with the fact that you're taking classes that are related to that my major was culture anthropology which has to do with 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 cultures on a very general basis and a very general description and so That sense, you are asked to confront yourself with with questions and issues in society that you weren't really used to, and I acknowledge that it's because of my upbringing, but also because I found Norway as a country more more homogenous, you know. And with that, there is obviously less diversity and less. um, If there were to be cases, they would be less um, discussed simply because of because of you know they're more so in the minority, and so that was a pretty um, that was. When I look back, a pretty stark um, contrast for me to see. And it's interesting now that with the Black Lives Matter protests in, in, in America, and obviously they were able to spread. And in the UK, there were protests and everywhere in Norway, there was a Black Lives Matter protest. Those discussions then were finally being had in Norway and something that we haven't really had as much, and, and I and I sensed that the way the debate had gone. It was a lot more in its infant stages than it was in America, and I could see the way the discussions were being had. they were a lot more of a premature stage, but they were actually being discussed in the mainstream media. And then when I came back, you know, over lockdown, and I have friends of uh, of a multi ethnic background, then I'm like asking them, "Yo, like how how was this for you? Have you had these exposures? Have you had?" You know, have you been at the hands of, of of police discrimination, blah blah? And then they say, yeah, like actually more than you think. And then you're having these discussions, discussions that would never even get come to come to mind before, because you know, I just simply wasn't, you know, uh, I simply wasn't acknowledging that the fact it was an issue to begin with. And so I think that's important to have those to have those discussions. And so for me, a long story, but that's for me been those contrasts in terms of how I've, the journey for me to explore them, but also then again, back to me in terms of confronting those issues within the country and, and discussing those issues with, with friends too.
0: And so can I just actually ask you, cause I know, I know with Norway, and I know kind of what you were saying, kind of the two, the two different contrast markers. So if we kind of look at, I mean, I've followed things in Norway um, sporadically, from time because I keep up kind of the world news. And one of the things that I did notice, I remember when the whole Anders Breivik thing came out, which I think was a very highly publicized around the world and what he did. I remember reading the newspaper and I felt, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this sort of thing is happening. And one of the things I said to my mom, actually I was speaking to her about, it, I said, this sort of thing happens in America. It don't happen in Europe. You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> and I just thought, no matter what your view is, you know what I mean? If you've got, and and obviously, Anders Breivik I know there's a lot of theories about him about the fact that he was um he was just a far right nazi to be honest and that, that's kind of what in my opinion when when I looked at what it was and but then I watched the movie um, which was done um, which uh, I think is on Netflix I think people can watch it there so I've seen it about a year year and a half ago something like that and I remember looking at it and and the way that he was trying to paint Norway in his narrative of that um they've done all these things wrong and and i mean how accurate and 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 do you think the reputation that he was trying to paint because one of things I remember from the from in, in in that movie what I what I seen because I know sometimes a lot of Hollywood nonsense put in movies, isn't there? So so literally um but at the same time when I looked at him I just thought, my goodness, this is a guy that, that feels that feels like he's been let down by the system. He feels, you know what I mean, <laughs> like the fact that you can be let down. By this it doesn't mean you need to go well, murder people. You know what I mean to, to accomplish. Right. 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 Mean? There's other ways going <laughs> about it. You know what I mean than doing something as as psychotic as that. But um, what what do you think that done politically? Um, you know what I mean in in Norway at that time. Do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't, I, I, I wouldn't know um, what narrative is being spun there. But I can, assu- but I can, you know, we can assume, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a classic mentality of of a right of a right extremist feeling let down by the system and targeting the people that um, that he feels are the most responsible in, a, in an act of absolute cowardice. Um, you know, it's interesting because a book just came out in Norway. Um, detailing the dynamics within the Social Democratic Party in Norway who were in power then. And uh, the NATO leader, Jens Stoltenberg, was our prime minister at the time. And um, the issue or the book, what the book confronts is the issue of how, how the, the, the remnants of the 22nd of July, because, you know, it was very important for Norway as a country to be, to be in solidarity, following it, right. because of, you know it was an attack at our democracy. It was an de- so de- attack at our yeah. at our rights. And in order for in order for us to recover from that and heal together, we had to stick together. Right. And while at the same time, you know, it was an attack on the Social Democratic Party because he, the terrorist, felt it was attacking like,
0: Norway, wasn't he? That's yeah, it was he was attacking, of course,
1: attacking Norway. But he was, and he was, and then there's the issue. He was also he was attacking the Social Democratic Party for what they stood for, which he felt was what was wrong with the world. He attacked the he attacked the government building. He went to the island where there was a youth camp for this party, and, and and massacred a lot of future leaders within the party. So it was also an attack at them, while at the same time it was an attack in Norway. And so the the, the what it was an issue because you had to keep Norway together and intact while at the same time you had to really confront the issue of right extremism mm. and, and, and what forces were in play to let this happen, you know? And so there was a bit of, um, there was a bit debate within the com- within the, the parties, excuse me, whether, you know, how how do we attack these these forces in play? Because it was important for them to stand together, and, and then you have the right uh, leaning conservative party, who are you know who are talking about you know we can't have endless immigration. This is bad. This is bad. We can't. Islam is Islam is bad. You know. And so then you're saying, okay, well, what's what's how far is it from 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 right conservatism? To right extremism and right, 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 just right. because you're right conservative are you legitimizing right extremist views right okay. and i don't and that's that's a very that's a very hard discussion to have but it needs to be had and i think it wasn't confronted as it should have been following the the incident and i think and know that a lot of victims and a lot of survivors from, from, from the twenty second of July have felt down in that sense. And and whenever they've used and they say, "Well, it was an attack at our party," they said, "Well, stop using that, uh, stop using that card like the twenty second of July card. Like stop using that as a as a way to as a as a way for to to enter the, the conversation." And so, listen, it's a very delicate matter. Um, But I don't think it's been confronted yet in terms of the the underlining force, the right conservative forces that have been put in place. And what better example than in America where, you know, and I don't want you know, listen, we're just two people discussing politics. I'm not here to say, but this is my observation. This is my observation. I'm saying is the Republican Party in too much of a degree have invited right extremist views in to right. you know contribute to a further backing of the party but it's gone out of control it's spun out of control the problem has now become too big for them and that's what but that's what i'm saying When the case of norway you need to confront those issues and say listen here is where we draw the line this none of this can be discussed within politics we keep ourselves and norway is thankfully a very well-governed country and
0: Absolutely.
1: It's it's you know, it's 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 one of the best countries to live in. But we need to be careful because these forces are coming more into play and they're more prevalent in our in Norwegian society than we like to think. And in America, where the acts of conspiracy theories with canon, with now the recent incident with um with Marjorie Green, who's one of the representative who they're voting on whether should be Thrown out of the committees because of because of what she said. She said 9 11 is a hoax. All this stuff, you know. Right, right, She's elected for a reason, right? And so you have to keep you have to be very cautious in terms of how you confront these right leaning voices. um And so it's 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 a, it's a tough discussion to have. But that's that's my overall analysis because, as I said, it can be spun out of control. Where you see um, when you see the voices that actually have a, a bit of a say as much as we can disagree with them. They're actually right. having a say in say America. And so we'll see, but it needs to be a discussion we had. And now marks this year, marks the 10 year anniversary for the massacre. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we still haven't, we still haven't confronted the shirts to, to what, as to what forces were in play to allow that to happen. Because now, you know, a, a year ago, right where I lived, there was a, a young Norwegian boy who killed his adopted sister, who was of Asian descent right, and tried to attack a mosque. Thankfully he failed so miserably. Um, right. An absolute pathetic loser who just, who got beat up by uh, a hero of a guy who was 75 years old, but still, mm. you know, it's, it's still happening. It, he, they, he prevented and he prevented another massacre. So these forces are in play and they need to be confronted.
0: You, you know, you know, it's so interesting um, And in terms of what you're saying. And I just want to pick up on one of the points you made is that when you look at when you're going too far left, but you're going too far right. And it's like, I think with everybody and when you're talking about like solidarity, um, and in order for solidarity to, to actually happen, and, and I, remember, I remember growing up in the Troubles, and one of the things I distinctly remember, my, my father saying, he's very intelligent, my father, he really looks objectively, but my mum's side of the family, they were in the Orange Order, which is very unionist, very much for the union, like Great yeah, Britain yeah. and all that. And, um, and I think where things are changing now, like the Catholic is the majority, not the unionist. Anymore, And my, my father said to me, he said, do you know when things will change? When terrorists are are, are brought into government. Um, and that's kind of what's happened. That's kind of what led to the Good Friday Agreement. And United Ireland, I think, is where we're heading, <laughs> to be quite honest. That really? yeah. Yeah. Us, but that's going to be the reality. But also it's the really thing amazing. that also fueled that. And it's like what you're saying, if we're looking at like history, I always remember my in school, and you probably heard this, history always repeats itself, always. It never never changes. The narrative never changes. And one of the things that, that actually happened was when the British Army, when Sunday Bloody Sunday happened, like the song that, that you two wrote, Sunday, Bloody Sunday. And mm-hmm. and literally that kind of fueled the troubles. That that really gave the IRA a reason to go to war and mm-hmm. use Great Britain as a target. Um, they had obviously a certain target bombing campaign on the mainland here. So um but but if we're kind of looking at that like you're saying to bring solidarity into play Mm -hmm. so so then whenever you whenever you see what's happening in Norway what what do you what do you think in terms of so then of course then obviously when you go to America and you see the the American side of things and the way that so obviously but then obviously we can even go back to like Iraq and Afghanistan and how that actually happened um mm-hmm. and we can't talk about Trump Trump kind of alienated the united nations and he was having arguments with germany and <laughs> feeling like germany are looking after the russians <laughs> and we've mm-hmm. got all of these things which the right which the right don't like but then the left are are very much you, you know i mean they their their position depend on who you speak to is um cuz there is people that are in the middle there's yeah. people that are not they don't want to be on either or um, okay. and, and, and I think that, that that's kind of, you know what I mean? And that's kind of the view I would take, because I lived in Chicago and so I seen, I seen the amount of gun crime and I saw how democratic states were run. But, but I also think that part of the American constitution is that you cannot control the guns. You can't control, you just can't, because it's so far gone. And yeah. Americans are, are quite clever. And, but also, if you look at American culture... American culture is very, um, you know, you just look, when we went to a war in Iraq and Afghanistan, I have friends that were military and they said to me, the way Americans view war is very different to Europeans. That's kind of the way he described it to me. And he went on later to be in special forces, you know? Um, and so, yeah, but, but you know what I mean? It's like yep. when, yeah. when you kind of, and it's so much that like unpack, <laughs> like when oh, you God. look at all of those issues, I mean, what, 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 would you, what would you say was the difference kind of when you then went to the States and, and coming from seeing what you had seen in Norway and what was kind of your view before you went?
1: I mean, there, I think there's an innate romanticization of America because of our exposure to American pop culture and right. music, sports. Um, and there's so much I love about America um, you know, and then obviously, when you when you spend four years in a country, you become you know it's it's very easy to romanticize it from the outside, but from from the inside, you're exposed to certain ways and dynamics. And the more informed you get, and the more you read about stuff, you understand that like any other country, it has its uh, you know it has it has its weaknesses. Um, I think one of the things that makes America so great, but perhaps has gone a bit overboard right now, yeah. is uh, the case of individual exceptionalism, that the individual stands so is, is the, the, the the rights of the individual are so strong in America, and it's 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 been it's been a strength of theirs, and, and, it, and it, it grains into their culture. It ingrains in the fact that if you succeed, they say, "Good for you." That's that's awesome. Right. Good for you, right? right. right. And you succeed, and you do whatever, and you do what it takes. And I'm and you know what, you know. That, like and, an which American is incredible like an incredible support <laughs> like you know yeah i i love that like when they say you know it's just a very you know it's a very freeing um and very confident culture and there's so much that can be learned from that from other countries right. because it's saying in norway it's a bit more mm-hmm. oh sorry i'm here like i don't want to like you know i don't want to impose or or whatnot right so incredible right. and that extends into um into political rights too right so, Absolutely. When we are top on the topic of what you can be said and 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 you know, I don't know extremism, both to the right and left, because right extremism is very hard is very easy to define in a sense. Left extremism, on the other hand, is harder to define because we don't we don't really know what that is yet. Right, In the sense that in terms Absolutely. of political views or, or actions, but there are, um, and so when those when that exceptional individual exceptionalism comes into place. You know, I can say whatever I want. I can mean whatever I want. Truth is only relative, right? And that's when we're having a problem because you're saying, well, that's what I stand for. That my opinion, my opinion matters as much as the truth because who have I am as an individual, you know, and the the individual stands so strong. And I think that's, it's it's like i said i think it's gone a bit overboard it needs there needs to be certain measures in place where you say no but this is this is this is the truth your opinion does not hold as much as the truth right now right and or the fact that you know i saw a cartoon it was a a, this conspiracy theories and said honey look at this look at this information i found that that none of the doctors and experts of the world know about right and so it's it's we need. To, I feel that there needs to be a narrowing down of of of, of, of certain, a narrowing down of, of of truth because that's that's the biggest, the big post truth error. And listen, like I said in that article as well, that's existed since the hippie era when there was the counterculture and saying like you know peace, like peace and peace and love and all that, and where they and 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 the and the acts of truth were being challenged even into the academia. and so and now it's 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 taken its journey from the left and then gone over to the right. and 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 listen, i'm not laying blame at at all on the right. there are issues i i like to say i'm i'm more, you know, I'm more left leaning, but I, uh, but I'd say more so, even so, more so middle because I see, or at least I have the sense to see that. Listen, I know it's not all the right's fault, and I know that there are lackings in the left, and so Absolutely. that's where yeah. I stand. And I think
0: I think that's a good place to actually be, man, because I, I think that when you start to become biased, I think do you not believe that. Kind of like, because obviously you've been in Norway, so you've been in a country where there's been political people there, and um, where the democracy has been attacked. Um, and 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 to see that is really really scary. And I don't think anybody wants to see what happened at the Capitol. You can't have that. Uh, I'm I'm a firm believer in that. Even if and I, it's funny. I even spoke to some Donald Trump supporters on a forum, and I said you can never condone that. I said we had the troubles in order that, but our government was never attacked, not once. Do you Know what I mean because you, you can't do that. that, that is just not acceptable in any walk of life. You can never condone that, never. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I understand no. terrorists when they're doing the thing you're trying to get them to the table to agree and you know to knock it in the head, you know what I mean. But there's there's also with the EU and the, e, the you know EU kind of EU politics <laughs> and what have you. Um, and and so, but do you think like obviously when you look in when you look in America? and you think about going there and you kind of, I know you kind of experienced it in the article and obviously we look at it from like a footballing perspective. So we would come back into the, the football aspect and that, that social kind of element. Um, and we talk about, because obviously you've been to a lot of schools, Marcus, so it would have opened up your mind. Um, mm-hmm. what, do you, what, do you believe, what do you believe breeds, breeds kind of hatred in, in people? In terms, so whenever you look at Black Lives Matter, so you've been in America and you look at that, what do you what do you believe? Where do you believe the racism is coming from? What do you what do you believe outside of the social media platforms? Where do you believe it's coming from? Because I think that's one of the things that nobody really knows. Nobody actually knows where it comes from.
1: I mean, there obviously and there obviously people a lot better qualified to talk about it. Me and I've had a couple of people on the podcast who've been able to. Uh, to explain that to me in a lot better of a perspective and from an own point of of experience um than I have and so i could only you know say what what i know and from my, from my experience with them but the issue is so deeply ingrained and there's so many you know from from from, from slavery and, and and the implications of that and 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 how there were only just mere moderations to the slavery intact with right. you know with uh with jim crow being being one of them and segregation right. and so over time that accumulates into a very um that racism accumulates into discrimination and to People starting at different points in life. It's it's like the, you know, the metaphor in terms of starting a hundred meter race and having them start 50 meters ahead. And so with that in, in mind, if you have certain, say, for example, property laws in which you say that um, in terms of you say that blacks can't own property, then, well, property, property is an indication of is an indication of wealth in the sense that you're owning property. You can sell it. If that goes down in generations, Um, in which um, whites for instance have the um, overwhelming majority of property and can sell it and it goes down in generations of course that will then affect uh, blacks disproportionately and that's just one of the one of the examples and I and and I I know that there's so many other ways to put it and I and I don't want to say much more because of the risk of of sounding of you know of sounding like ignorant in a sense or, 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 or overlooking other important issues, but that's just one of them. And so it's so deeply ingrained in America. it's almost a bit, I, and I've, I've read books upon up slavery in, on, in, in Britain as well. Mm. Um, right. and, and that is very interesting with, with Akala, who's an incredible, um, incredible intellectual poets, uh, artists, um, but obviously with slavery in america it's 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 just so it's so deeply ingrained and and and, and it's a, it's a matter in which the country is still still grappling with so absolutely you know that's 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 always the an issue and then on just a further commentary on on the political landscape i think it's important as much as we disagree it's important to understand okay yeah trump as, a, as, a, as an asshole, he's blah, blah, blah. But why are they voting for Trump? You know, why? We can't, okay, we say, okay, sure, say it's wrong, but why, you know? And that's what needs to be analyzed. And I think that sometimes that uh, that that is taken out of the political discussion. Okay, people feel disenfranchised. People feel neglected. Okay, oh, well, they don't have a right to, okay, fair enough. But let's say, why do they feel like that? You know, and the storming of the Capitol should never, ever happen. But why are they feeling like that? And I think that's right. important to just at least have in mind rather than saying, oh, they're so wrong. They're so wrong. Because fact of the matter is, almost half of the population voted for him still. <laughs> and seven million yeah, more that, people. Yeah, than right. Time.
0: Exactly. So that tells you America is divided right there, regardless of what the result of outcome was. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because I think with uh, when I when I do look at that and I look at like the full picture and I would say to people, what happens in America does affect us in Europe because of the economy that America possesses. I know China's doing their thing and you know what I mean? Which is quite yep. which is quite interesting. I got a good doc which I'll recommend to you that you should actually Please watch. Yeah, it's it's remarkable what China's doing. China's way ahead like by a country mile. But mm-hmm. but when I when I look at like the when I look at um kind of like when I lived in Chicago and, and I remember being there and, and seeing, seeing, being around African-Americans, cause I lived, I'd done a lot of community work on that side. I, I counseled black families, people involved in gang violence. It was something I did voluntary, like outside Respect, of, right. I was, yeah. When I worked at Nike and I was obviously, obviously worked at a club and, and, and one of the things that, that I definitely noticed and I, I saw families there's families that were destroyed. They were just. Destroyed. I remember going into this one home. It was a Latino family, and um, the mum had six sons, and and four of them were murdered, the gang violence, and 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 I think that it's very hard to comprehend when you're in that situation if you're that mum and what you've experienced and racially what she's experienced. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I think a lot of people have to, you know what I mean? To to I to be there, and I think I think I think Donald Trump he came in from the perspective of to run these cities in a safe manner to make sure they stay safe to make sure gun gun laws don't get out of control the guns don't get into the wrong hands things like that but i i would agree with you i i definitely think america has but i also think it's the cultural side of it from being being in that environment Um. but also if you look at like the wealth gaps like what you were talking about i don't think that's helping either a lot of these tax havens that are happening I think there has to be a, a kind of because um, you think about the middle class, even 20, 30 years ago was in a very different space. So I think from that perspective and kind of common working for an organization like Nike, Nike are, are, people said to me they're Nike are left wing. They're not. They're very much in the center um, in a lot of ways. Um, the way Phil Knightley has kind of went about doing, doing it and the way Nike's run. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely can tell you from being in that organization in a marketing capacity, I can definitely tell you that where they're going, but also they do have alliances in, in China <laughs> as well, um, which a lot of people have to be have to be aware of. But at the same time, I also think that, you know what I mean, in terms of the classes being and money being disproportionately um, and that's where I do believe, that's why I believe I'm in the middle and I'm not on the right, because I do believe in capitalism, but I also believe you have to look after society. I don't believe you can just the people who make all this money and then the poor don't nothing is passed back down because then you have a lack of balance. And uh, then, yeah, of course, tyranny, tyranny will exist, and then that's no good, you know. <laughs> either I so. think with everything
1: else, I yeah, think yeah, you need right. you need nuance, you know. You don't need right. uh, too much from one side or the other. It needs to be somewhere absolutely. Uh, it's the, got to be in the middle. middle. And, and I then would, I would say, able... "Well, you're, you're not standing for anything, or you're not instigating change enough." And I have this discussion with my room plenty of times. They say, "Yeah, well, well we need to, you know, we need to push the agenda that way in order to create meaningful change." I say, "Yeah, but like." You know, and it's a difference in my mindset. But I said, Yeah, well you well, you need to make incremental changes and you can't you can't have extreme upheaval in a short amount of time, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. so listen, that's politics. Everyone has an opinion about it and, and absolutely, and, you know. So um,
0: so so Marcus, so we kind of look at the, the football aspect. So when you're kind of going to when you're obviously you end up being you up in terms of being drafted, so take us kind of through that journey and then kind of up until the um so obviously we look at you and then obviously you come across to Scotland, right? You obviously, you go to mm-hmm. New Zealand, then you come to Scotland. And so in terms of the article, I know it obviously came out in the came out in the tabloids, and obviously you speak about it. What what kind of do you feel is being infringed upon in the in the football aspect? And why do you think football is afraid or I suppose built with fear to actually get out there and actually no, no, we're gonna we're gonna talk about these political issues. It's not just Black Lives Matter. It's not just one thing. It's many things, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I understand that clubs and the players that are pro, that are an extension of the clubs, they're representatives, right? And, and football is right. a global sport, and the risk of um, the risk of el- alienating people because you are a certain political orientation, and mm-hmm. and 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 the club is almost there as this kind of as this kind of socio cultural socioeconomic institution right within and has an extreme communal community value right and so I understand like being being of a too much of a political inclination will um will you know alienate certain people and so I understand that they, there needs to be a certain conservatism in place um, and so I think you know and pol- and, the, and and politics is such a, a heated um such a heated topic for many so I understand, you know, I can understand that clubs don't want to engage in that all too much. At the same time, I think it would be foolish not for players to use their platforms for social good, um, like a case of, of Marcus Rashford, like a case of Raheem Absolutely. Sterling, for, for matters that that seem very commonsensical and that seem to be lacking in terms of, you know, I'm, and I'm Norwegian, so i'm seeing this from the outside but in terms of the issue with rashford and lunchman and you're thinking yeah but that's incredible you're using your platform for social good you are you are a role model for for millions of people you play for the most one of the most global clubs in the world of course, you should use your platform for social good and not don't let anyone else tell you otherwise I think that the greatest irony is people say stick to football and then you have Twitter filled with people who are who are who have an opinion about something that hasn't hasn't to do with anything about their job. So that's that's the greatest paradox of them all. Um, And then I also see, you know, in terms of pure virtue signaling, I. I endorse the message which it which Black Lives Matter stands for, and I should um, the Premier League as they do, right? And so you have them taking a knee, you have the, the, um, the Black Lives uh, L- Matter logo uh, before the games. My problem is it's just words or let me be careful. I'm sure there's been a lot being Absolutely. done. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's been a lot being done, but the Premier League is selective in the sense that, okay, well, we're going to choose to endorse this. But at the same time, you're also part of a cabal here in which uh, awarded Qatar the World Cup in 2022. Um, and then you can argue, oh, well, was that right? Because the workers' rights there are deplorable, right? And so right. under so that as soon as they do that, it's right for them to endorse it. And I fully endorse it. But then right. at the same time, you become then subject of scrutiny because then you're like, well, what about this? And what about that? And I understand that, that acknowledgement. Like I spoke publicly about... Um, Mesut Ozil, you know, and he's, and then you can say, well, his he's, his his best man in his wedding was Erdogan, the, the Turkish president, you know, who's not exactly known to be the greatest. Uh, yeah,
0: they don't like um, the West right protector. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't like us so much. Yeah.
1: No, but at the same time, um, you know, Mesut Ozu spoke publicly about the Uyghur Muslims in in China who are being now who are being you know are victims of genocide basically and 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 Arsenal distinct themselves from it. So then I'm then I'm just curious as to the process of selection here because that to me seems like a very commonsensical thing. But then you say, well the commercial interest in China, that's a big factor, right? And so these institutions that endorse it then become kind of they become a victim of their own um their own I don't know uh moral stance, right? Because right. I think that's an important issue. But I know that people have very highly vested interests in China, you know, commercially speaking. So listen, that's, it's so, it's so convoluted um, and and troublesome. And so I'm off. So it needs to be done right. And so I understand why then clubs and players might hold back a bit because it is such a, it is such an intensely
0: heated uh, topic in which people will attack you no matter what you do too. And I think I think it's 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 interesting when when you're kind of talking about in terms of where it, where it's going, and I think issues of race, but I also think tackling poverty, tackling all of these things, and um and I just I just always remember um I remember like um my grandmother saying to me she says poverty will always exist, it's not something you're going to erase, and and I think a lot of the things I think even with like race i think is definitely um i mean like for example my grandmother um she never she was she she didn't agree when my mom married a catholic my dad was a catholic you know what i mean but also part of my mom's family are jewish so so there there was kind of i was kind of a mongrel in the middle of that so so it was very like i'm a big believer and i spoke to i spoke to somebody recently he's he's a good friend of mine he's an indian friend of mine i said well you know members of my family ended up and ended up um and they were murdered by hitler (laughs) so so um you know what i mean and and he asked me he said you know do i forgive hitler and i says of course of course you have to because you know resentment is is like toilet it's it's like uh you know it's like poison that you continue to drink only hurts you in the end doesn't hurt anybody else Mm -hmm. so so my attitude is you know what i mean in terms of what's actually what's actually happened you know what i mean um in terms of to jews and um you know even though i'm not jewish but but i, I respect that side of my family but i also growing up in the troubles um it, it ruined my football career in a lot of ways so the political landscape wreaked havoc um from that yeah. perspective but but i understand was the times that's what i recognize and, and, and sometimes was it's easier that, to I, not was, engage in
1: it i get that you like yeah. affecting your career
0: yeah, there was other victims. I mean, I had a friend, I had a friend, he walked in, he was killed in the Shankill bombing in 1991. Um, he got blown to bits um, when he walked in that shop. So, um, but I recognize it was the times. And I think that when people look at the political landscape, and I think when, but I think as well with Black Lives Matter and even these other, other far right wing people, they need to make sure they look at other, and they be objective, Um I think that's what I would say is be objective at all times because you you know, there's other things that I think throughout history, you know, you look at the Romans, you look at all of those things. But in football, if you say this to football clubs, they they don't they don't like it, you know what I mean? Um no. there's a there's a certain disdain and contempt that they'll 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 utilize, you know what I mean? Um against you if they think you're too political or <laughs> things yeah. like that. Yeah. So hey, Yeah, it's easier
1: not to, you know, it's easier not to.
0: Yeah. And, I, and that's where the fear is. So, so see for you, um, Marcus, let's kind of look at your perspective. So you kind of come out and you obviously went, you obviously spoke to the paper and um, and the tabloids. And what was it that you kind of felt uh, being a player and what is, when you look at football and how that it is, that it is political across a lot of kind of remits, whether it be income level, whether it be race, color, creed, um, all of those things what what's kind of your perspective in 2021 and what you've learned in like the last, say, I would say one to two years, what kind of has been like your perspective perspective on what the recent Yeah. So kind cycle. of all of these things. Yeah. That you've spoke, having been in America and now mm-hmm. coming to a place like because Scotland's funny, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's an, it's an interesting place up there. Um, Scotland is cause it's, um, you know the SNP, Scotland won independence and all that stuff. So it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. wh- wh- how do you kind of think about based upon before you were playing in Scotland? Before would you mm-hmm. say your mm-hmm. political understanding and that you want to be able to be free to actually discuss it? And you feel maybe you know what I mean that you're not you, you you're made to feel uncomfortable because you're a footballer yeah. and because. You know what I mean? You yeah, see no, absolutely. Talking?
1: I mean, I think, first of all, I think it's important that we have discussions like this where you can foster discussion. And I've tried to aim that to do that with my podcast as well. And and, 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 and frankly, I'd love to hear someone who has rather different views than me and, and to discuss that. I think it's important to not agree, but to understand. Right. Um, where they're coming from. And so for me, it's just been, you know, I live with a guy who who wants Scottish independence and who's working within that um, within that space to get that going. And he's uh, he's a fervent supporter of it. And I, you know, and I asked him why. And, and he says, well, we need this and need that. And then I challenge him a bit. Then he says that and he wants to get into politics. So I'm oh, exposed good. through that. You know, he's a, he's an avid reader of both um, of both the spectator and the what's the other one? more spectators more right-leaning one and the left one he'll the statesman and so you know and he and he, he i think he does great at that because he's reading both both sides of it and and trying to and trying to navigate a discussion and trying to see how it is and i think that's that's ultimately what it comes down to that you have to that there. i understand that people are of a certain inclination and they have certain opinions and they're principled and I, and, I, and that's great But there needs to be in order to in order to instigate change, there needs to be dialogue and dialogue can't happen if people are just shouting at each at each side of the room and not actually hearing the other person. And so for me, that's been, you know, uh, that's just been reinstated by life in general. And, And that can be applied to all aspects of life, whether we agreed on something that didn't have to do with politics at all and so yeah. for me that's a been bit, a bit the greatest uh you know that's 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 a continual continual journey at that and so um and i haven't felt at all you know you know i'm not that high profile of a footballer for me to be to mm-hmm. to feel like i'm at uh you know at the wrong end of someone's opinion um and so why not why not have the discussions and then and then you can, and then you know, you can always say that you're there for the for the sake of of of, of dialogue. That's 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 all I want. Then I'm I'm not going to say you're wrong to believe that. That's like saying with religion, you know, you shouldn't believe that. No, but let's have a discussion about it. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. And so, in terms of like, um, in terms of because I know, like, in in terms of um, kind of when you're kind of looking at like the the full picture, and I think like the I think like the political arena um especially w- w- for footballers can be sometimes can be a difficult thing and it can be a mm-hmm. difficult thing from the perspective of um uh, I suppose and like you're saying that the brands are, or the club is you know there's certain things they're willing to do but then there's other things and they're kind of damned if they do damned if they don't um kind of thing so um when when you kind of look at it um, when you kind when that article went out what was kind of the club's position? What what, what would you say their position was, um, um, and things like that? You that you felt like you you definitely could express free speech. Um, yeah, 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 from yeah, that yeah. perspective. I, I,
1: okay, yeah. and I, like I said, I'm 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 the not even a pawn in the whole game. Like I'm, right. you know, I'm not even on the board, chess board. So it's it's I understand that there's a case for when you know higher profile players do it, but I think it's great that you have uh, a club like you know. I don't know the process or the or the conversation between Manchester United and Marcus Rashford but I think it's incredible And you see when when someone does like when 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 someone like Marcus Rashford does that he becomes an even greater role model. I think it's incredible right. for kids to look at this guy and say like listen because you have the stereotype of oh, footballers are stupid, they can't you know, they can only kick a ball blah blah. This guy's redefining, right, right. you know, He's part of redefining what a footballer should be like, and I think that's incredible. And right.
0: footballers, I are think that is good. Actually, the political
1: aspect, hundred percent. Yeah, but in in this case with restaurant, doesn't he even need to have to be political in the sense that? Right, he just wants free free food for like children. You can say, okay, well, you need state subsidies, blah blah blah. But like, opening up at least for it, at least. And not putting a lock on it, saying, no, you can't comment on anything, I think that's wrong. And then you can say, well, this guy shouldn't, you know, if, if there's there's limits to what a person can say, like we said from earlier, in terms mm-hmm. of narrowing to feel as to what a person can say, in the sense that you can't letting, you know, people saying 9 11 is a hoax, for example, into the political for But yeah. having Roma's like that and redefining what it is and looking up and say, wow, look at Marcus Rashford, who's a really brilliant footballer, but he's using his platform to help kids as well for instance he's the best example of it you know i think that's i think that should that's that's he's a great role, role model for kids and i think and for for myself as well you know i think it's an inspirational to see and so it becomes you know a case like lebron james who's, you know use uh, able to use his platform to build a school you know uh, that's how, the, how can you how can you be against that in a sense. And then yes, you know, political opinions will come into the matter, but it's with his, his case, it's usually been about like, about black lives matter and stuff like that. And I don't see any problem with that. I think
0: there's kind of, there's a lot of um, players now. And because I think millennials are more politically in tune. Mm -hmm. That's my personal, that's my per. And I think some people actually asked me, said, why do you think most millennials are very left leaning? I said, they're very sensitive to, and they have a lot more empathy than previous generations did. Um, Gen Z, Gen X, um, you know, and baby boomers. Um, you know, like your dad's generation. Because your, yeah, your dad's yeah. a lot older than me and you. <laughs> um, so, so you know what I mean. We're kind of in that generation where we're we're a little bit more aware. <laughs> we have yeah, a little yeah. bit more empathy um, at times. You know what I mean. Um, I know. So at least partners. there's
1: at least maybe a heightened sensitive s- sensitivity to issues, and right. that's part of having discussions because listen, you're not aware of it like i said when i came to america i wasn't aware of these issues until i was exposed to it so maybe heightened sensitivity maybe emotionally we're a bit more sensitive maybe that's it do with our upbringing it's more sensitive at that but that's a whole psychological analysis but yeah it is it, it's true well are, millennials are more left more left leaning and it's an it's a, it's interesting us to figure out figuring out why
0: yeah, and I think what I would say, I think the generation in America, in fact, I had a conversation with a friend of mine recently, and in America, a large percentage of the Europeans that emigrated there, you know, in the 1920s, 1930s, there a lot of those people. So the white generation is actually decreasing in America. Um, mm-hmm. the, stats, the stats prove that. You're going to have a lot more African-Americans, Latinos there. That, that number is going to skyrocket in, in the next 10 to 20 years. Um, mm-hmm. Where white people will be the minority, <laughs> not mm-hmm. the majority, and so. But if you tell if you told a white American that they'll bite your head off because they'll be like, "How dare you say that?" You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it's reality, and I always say, I would say to the people that um, work for me, I say, "Guys, the truth is in the numbers." You know yep. what I mean? So, Can't so don't, that. yeah, don't, don't ever believe the truth isn't. So, and I think I think it's very interesting and kind of hearing from like your perspective, kind of going through it. And seeing the political landscape and where it's actually going, um, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Especially in football, and the fact that players can be role models. But I believe even a player like looking at Akin Finn, he's in League Two, and I think he's just made that next step up with Wickham to the Championship. He's trying to, and he uses his platform just like Marcus Rashford. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And I think he's he's trying to impact change, and I think he's a really nice guy. I think he's a great role model. Um, yeah. I do looking at role models and I think that it would definitely be good. And so, so if you're looking at, um, if you're looking at things and using kind of, um, kind of your platform, um, so kind of bro pod, what, so kind of, we'll just talk about that. It's obviously the podcast that you run um, with one of your friends from, from, from college in the States. Give us the motivation for that, Marcus. What, what's kind of the, the reason behind that?
1: Except for being having a large chunk of your day to fill and and, and pretending to be somewhat uh, productive and justifying your Duke degree in a sense, um, it's it's a way for us to fill our curiosity. Um, I've you know talking about role models, you know, my, my, I talk about my parents and my dad is my dad hasn't doesn't have like he doesn't have anything beyond a high school education, but he's very socially and emotionally intelligent and 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 knows. Um, you know, I've learned a lot from him and I've seen the value, uh, in terms of just being a bit, um, unafraid in, in, in reaching out to people. First of all, it's, ing- it's a great opportunity for me to link up with people that I find really interesting. And it provides me a platform to, to talk to these people and say, Hey, listen, I think what you are doing is really cool. And what better way to, to learn than to have a, have a, an hour or 45 an hour a minute, uh, chat with them, um, And for me, for us to just listen and ask questions that we are generally interested in and upon doing the interview, we've done our research. And so you put your research into it, you put your, and then you have the interview, which just read, I mean, either reaffirms or debunks certain things you think, and you add that to your portfolio of, of knowledge. And so if you expose yourself to these different people and to topics that you're interested in, um, you know, I think it only serves you well. You can think of it as an ends to an, a means to an end, in the sense that okay, I'm going to use this 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 this, this portfolio of knowledge to. Um, in my endeavors, somewhat okay. So I have I have the dots there, 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 there. Let's hope that they can connect somehow when I go into doing whatever I make. Just like for you, for yourself, in terms of okay, these are my experiences, these are my political experiences, these are my football experience, these are the people I met. Okay, now I'm now I'm running this academy or now I'm doing this right, and that has only served you know has served you well. That's that's the thinking of it, and then you can think of it as just you know an end of it itself that we're having conversations with cool people who are doing cool things and i think that also is it, it's for me that's a, of great enjoyment you know I'm, I'm i'm learning from it but i'm enjoying it too. say hey listen you want to you want to link up and let's have a chat and 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 most and like almost everyone i reach to are very are very um positive when i reach out to them because people i think appreciate when um when you reach out and want to have a conversation um, and they appreciate someone that wants to listen. And that's, that's, that's what we provide in a sense. And so, you know, it's twofold in that sense, but for me, it's just been a great platform to learn, to, to learn from people. And now, uh, you know, having talked to now 21 guests, um, you know, I have a, uh, a great network of people that I've, I've 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 you know reached out to and i think that's important as well when i am in my football career to prepare for career after just being able to learn from from people and and in connecting
0: and what's kind of so just to kind of hit on that marcus what what is what kind of um kind of football wise so um what is it you? What is it you want to? What's kind? Of, what what kind of career are you looking to do? Kind of post football is it? Is it kind of in the media? Is it? Um. What 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 what, what can you see?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to expose myself to that, and um, and I'm starting to figure out slowly but surely. I want to. Before when I was younger, I thought, oh well, I need to grow up. I need to find a job, right? And I thought, and for some reason, I was like, oh, I can't have anything to do with football. But then I was like, wait a minute, why not? like that's right. my life right <laughs> i want to i want right. to work with what i what i love at the same time i can't see myself being a coach or academy director or or you know i'm not i'm not all too interested in doing do my badge and stuff like that but i'm more but i'm interested in doing the business aspect of it you know i have right. master's in business too so i i have some pedigree within it and so the, the intersection of business and football, football is a business, so it's maybe not an intersection Absolutely. outside, but yeah. football is be, football is becoming increasing, an increasing business. There's more and more money being put into it. It's a very exciting place is, yeah. to I navigate, right? And there's so many things to do. And yeah. then I can say, yeah. well, work within football. What does that mean? You know, you're doing one aspect of football and stuff like that. But um, I would love to work within the business side of people, whether that's being, you know, we've had, the last couple of guests we've had, Yesterday, I put out a podcast that was about American ownership in European football with an increasing amount of sophisticated American investors investing in European football. Why? You know, why is that happening? What can an American style management offer? That's very interesting to take part in that because there's no doubt an American style of management brings something Europeans can and vice versa. Before that, we had a we had Christian Ari who built the Bayern brand in America. That's very interesting, and he was mentioning he said that they had to take a cultural anthropological standpoint in uh, in trying to um, build up a fan base. And my major was uh, my bachelor's degree was cultural anthropology, so I, I was like, okay, I really appreciate you giving me a shout out there, unknowingly, and so that can also be integrated. So I think working within that space would be very interesting and I think football is such a you know and then you have that every weekend to look forward to too which we all which I'm sure you know in terms of playing and taking part of is it it's something we all we all love.
0: And so, in terms of like the the playing aspect and and kind of increasing those guests, um. So I mean, it, it's it's quite interesting. I I think I saw that actually up on LinkedIn. Um and um, uh, Jordan Gardner, I think his name is. And um, yeah. And and I remember. Um, I mean, I did disagree with him on certain things. Um, that he was kind of speaking about, but it was more more because um, because I think there's other sides to the game. Um. That I think maybe Americans are are really lacking. And I know kind of of behind the scenes, and I was saying to him, you know, it's not, nothing's ever black and white. Um, It it just isn't. Um, And I think what the Glazers have done with Manchester United and people I've spoken to behind the scenes and things they've told me tell me that. You, you know what I mean, and the way they've appointed leaders, I think has been very poorly done. I think Ed Woodward's out of his depth because I've spoken nope. to um, one of the lawyers that I know that he was part of the takeover. He told me where it's going pear shaped and why it's going to continue to go to go in a bad direction. And so when I speak to United supporters, I can speak objectively. <laughs> so it, I'm speaking. No, but listen, away. that's totally fair enough argument too. Because yeah, I think uh, the Henrys. I th- I think the Henrys are very good owners. I think they really know what they want. Um, I think, you know what I mean? I like, I like the value proposition they've got. I think they understand the market, but you know what I mean? I think, I think they're, and that's why I said to Jordan, I said, they're the people that I think are really setting the tone because they understand the they're, they're very much there. They're very much involved. Um, I don't know. I just like their style of leadership. And also I've said to him, I said, listen, my grandfather was a majority shareholder Glasgow Celtic, So for, for over 25 years. So oh, wow. I'm speaking from experience and also Dundalk, one of the clubs he's involved with. Um, I also, one of my, my accountants, my accountant's father was the ex-chairman there. So I know Dundalk mm. very, very well. Um, so, I, and I just said to him, you know, I've sent to him, you know, Dundalk were more successful before Peak Six got there because they got to the Champions League. Uh, they got to the preliminary mm. Europa League, Japan, again. and they lost the leg of Warsaw. So, and also at the time, my one of my friends, he was the technical director there. <laughs> At the mm. time, ta- Legia Warsaw. So, and he said to me how impressed he was, and um, and he actually said to me, he actually sent me a message saying, "Nick, I don't think they needed investors, know what I mean? He said right. because they were making good money, but maybe they needed it more from the commercial, which I can understand. I understand that's a big part of football, and but I think that you know, because I like that, you know, if I don't agree with something, I'm not just going to be a yes man. As should As should uh, yeah, I should be. I
1: should be. Yeah, but I uh, think
0: he's good, yeah. you know. Some of the things he talks about. But then I said to him, you know, tax. And when you sell a player, there is tax on that. You know what I mean? It's not like you make this money and it's all yours and it goes into the bank, you know? No, no, no. No,
1: <laughs> no there's so That's... many things to explore from it. And, and, and yeah. I totally agree. And I think I did ask him, I should we be skeptical? Because, you know, right. you will see an increasing amount of investor money being uh, challenging FIFA and UEFA. And, the matter is how long could they withstand that? How long could they withstand right. that pressure? And it is a it is a problem, you know, increased amount of fans feeling like they're being alienated, um, and commercial revenues taking a uh, taking a priority. Um, and so, you know, uh, that is an issue. And will Club I say, will you have a European Super League? How, what will happen? And of course, right. there are. North North American sports are very. Uh, it's a culture for you know bringing ex- an immense entertainment value. I remember going to a baseball game in Kansas, mm-hmm. and every it was it wasn't really about the baseball game. You know, it was about the experience. Right. It was everything that came around it. While football is a lot, with football in Europe, is a lot more. You know, it's about the game and nothing else. And so, um, it, it's a different um, it's a different cultural approach towards the game as well. And I think. For, like, listen, you can't have an 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 entire Americanization of European football either. I don't, I don't, I don't Absolutely, think that's a good yeah. idea for one I bit. That's, but certain that's best practices can concern, be brought in yeah. place.
0: I, I think certain best
1: practices can be put in place.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree, Jim. man one of the things that I said to Jordan, I said, Jordan, I said, the Glazers were at the Super Bowl when for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they beat the Chiefs there on Sunday, and I said, I said. um I said that, but they don't take they don't take an interest. So when United supporters see that, that's going to really make them upset because they're going to feel like you know what I mean. This guy's do, over here, but then they're but they have no interest, and so that I think has to be addressed. And they need to come out because uh, I think if they approach United supporters and had a very different view, but I think that, but I do believe Americans, um, and that's one of the things I learned from my friends. And he was telling me when Americans go to war. They view war as money. They don't. They view I'm going to go in and win. And okay, I understand wars are, are, are a battleground. But but war, I would say to people wars are like divorces. Nobody ends up winning. No one. Do you know what I mean? Somebody always ends up. And uh, I mean, I remember um, I was there's a guy he did he did this speech in Iraq, uh, Colonel Tim Collins, and he said we're going into Iraq to liberate, not to conquer. Um, but I felt the Americans had a very different perspective on that. I believe the reasons why we went to war. um, I think, I think the British, I think we had a more kind of, you know, objective view and we wanted the people, we didn't want people to die and things like that, but that's kind of not how wars happen. People always die. That's kind of the reality. But I think Americans, when they come into war or business, it seems like it's more, it's more, you know what I mean? It's more about the winning aspect (laughs) There's a winning mentality, but I don't think you can place winning in other areas where you're dealing with human beings and you're dealing with people. Um, And I think maybe when they're coming into Europe, I think they have to be, they have to be careful because it's not just about the money. And I think that's what concerns fans. And I think Europeans, club, and I'm I'm trying to take over a non-league club at the minute, Marcus, and let me tell you something. If I go in there with a view to, I'm just going to go in and I'm going to get rid of this person, and just so I can make my, if I can turn into a 20, 30 million, 30 million pound club, even to get up to like National League level. But I have to, I can't be like that because people will view me very differently Um, Mm -hmm. if I kind of go in with that kind of attitude. um, Because I have to think about the fans, and they've been, this is a club that's been badly run for a long time for probably almost 35-40 years. So you're trying to turn that around, you're trying to turn the fortunes because it's been a bit of a poison chalice. So but my attitude is get the get the basics right, make sure the people aren't left behind. Make sure I don't destroy their identity, that I that I make sure the fans feel really involved in that kind of journey that we're mm-hmm. gonna take it on and and you know things like that. Um, even some of the coaches I'm bringing in, I think, are quite political figures. <laughs> so I think right. talking about football, it's it's um, it's a bit it's a big understanding. I think yeah. that people, yeah. I think yeah. Americans need to have, and um, what have you. But I, I understand why they want to do it because to them it's a business opportunity. Um, yeah, I mean so, it's a uh,
1: business opportunity, and then Jordan, I think, is an example of like he. He was on the ground in Denmark for six months, you know. There needs to, and he says that listen, there are North American owners that come in and they think they can just buy a club. And in the case of, I think right. was an example of, of Americans buying Fiorentina within two weeks and not having done their due diligence and finding out there was actually an agency that ran the sale of the players and it was just an absolute shambles, right? Wow. And so that's 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 important to take into, into consideration is also the fact that a lot of these clubs are financially. Unstable, Americans say, okay, well, we can bring in these best practices here because, in terms of making, in terms of, you know, in terms of managing a club, we can be pretty good at that. And then acknowledging, you know, football as a cultural, intrinsic cultural value within a community, we need to, we need to foster that as well. Listen again. Nothing's black and white. There needs to be nuance, right? Easy, so. But he
0: seems like he's trying to change that, which is good. You know what I mean? And I think it's like you say. And I always say to him, you know, you know, I mean, just because I always see his posts and I always like them. If I like it, I like it. If I don't like it, I comment. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, yeah. typically that's typically my two ways of community when I see his posts up there. But but no, man. I mean, I think in terms of so so kind of going kind of going forward. Um. So obviously, I know you do a lot of stuff with your with your dad. Um. That's one of the things that. They kind of so obviously he obviously does a lot of stuff on ESPN and, and what have you. Um, what's kind of your um, would you like to do media on that level, or do you want to stay more from a, a podcasting? Um, because obviously, podcasting is replacing radio, I suppose. Let's face it, you know, right? <laughs> radio, I mean,
1: kind of my, yeah, I mean, the, my podcast ambitions are like it sounds maybe a bit you know, my, I'll probably have this podcast going for a lot of my life and like and i'll follow up on what i said because for me to connect with people i find interesting and it's a great platform for me to pursue that so i'll probably always have that if it if it were to be a popular one so be it if not then it's just for my enjoyment you know Uh, and if people can share in in my enjoyment and that's what i want to do and so for me i think the most important thing is that you know that i'm not i'm not standing still That i'm always on the move that i'm always doing something that i'm always you know ultimately if you want to get something done, you have to do it yourself. And I'm still trying to figure out what I would do. I'm still, you know, I'm playing football, but I'm also trying to, you know, I'm doing this and, and seeing how where this can lead to. And then uh, ultimately, you'll have to confront that more so when you stop playing. And so um, we'll see. But, you know, something that my dad does, I think is, is, is really cool. And I tend to learn a lot from it. It can inspire me. Um, and then we'll see what, what, what follows. But staying within the game, I think. I love football, as do you. You, you know, you you've stayed in it for a reason, and and Absolutely. that's what I hope would do do at some point too. And we'll see when that is when when I eventually retire, which I don't know yet, really.
0: Yeah, and what um so in terms of how do you feel it's going from so in terms of your neck your next steps? So you're really enjoying Greenock Morton, you're really enjoying that training with that club and being with that club as a player.
1: Yeah, I mean it was a uh, you know it was a great a great club to come to. Uh, sadly, the the manager resigned in December, who had a really good relationship with. Uh, but a great, but a great, team, um, and a great group of people. And I think you know it's not, you shouldn't take it for granted being in a football environment and 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 connecting with people because it is people people have livelihoods to look out for. But I'm fortunate enough to be in a very good. Uh, change room, um, three months left of the season. And so we'll see, like, if you know, the pandemic has almost, accele- you know, has accelerated the, um, the turnover rate in football as well. You know, people aren't signing very long-term contracts, at least at the level that I'm at. So um, it will be exciting to see the summer to come and, and see what, what really happens and i've because my priority right now is just to play it three months and i've always it's always benefited me looking short term and saying okay this is what i'm gonna do now i'm gonna play this season i'm gonna do well here and then we'll see what follows
0: and then the spl so you would you like to after the season would you like to be up up around um obviously the spl um maybe going going back there if your contract ends here and then kind of move, moving getting up there because i know the spl is a good breeding ground i know quite a few players um, mm-hmm. They kind of are in the championship in Scotland, so it is a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good platform, you know, for players who want the, who want the, who want to kick on. Yeah, you know?
1: absolutely. Listen, I think any player, yeah, any player has an ambition to always progress, of course. Um, and and that's for me been always the the biggest motivation is to is to constantly improve. And when I look back and I am retired, I look back and I say, this is how far you got. This is how far much you got out of your abilities. And so for any player, it would be unnatural to say you don't want to progress, but where that is uh, impossible for me to say right now.
0: So you're really, really. Enjoy, so you're enjoying. As long as you're enjoying the football, man. That that's what's part of it. And and yeah, um, yeah. like I say, and you feel like at the end of the day, you feel like. I suppose not having regrets. I think that's the most important thing, isn't it, Marcus? Really, then. Absolutely. And, you, and as long as you can say you've used your, the best of your ability, although I didn't get too far, it ended the twenty. So, <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll always have regret.
1: <laughs> no, no. But listen, certain things will be in the way. But like you know, you've used you use your your platform, and you're going into to avenues now within football that are fantastic by the sound by the sound of it. So, you know, some one door closes, one other opens is the good old cliche. But it's a matter of how you respond and use it to, and to use those references and experiences. And you're an example of that. So like listen, that's as part of life and 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 I will have to, you know, confront that when that time comes too. But for now, I'm in that fortunate position where I can, you know, it's down to me and how I perform. Football yeah, and ups that- and downs, but of course
0: I know it, it'll definitely be great. I know we're gonna we're probably gonna do some more stuff here down the road, um, Marcus. And um and I think that um a lot of your a lot of your knowledge, I think a lot of stuff you've spoken about today, I appreciate you being very honest um and, and being where you can where you can feel because I think that, you know, somebody being able to have free speech, I think that's very, very important. Um, for us and the fact that, you know what I mean, we don't, as, as Stephen Covey says, you don't listen to reply. You you listen to, most people listen to reply. They don't listen to understand. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that's so true, you know, in um, a respectful manner, you know, what I mean? even if you don't agree. But I think I always like to hear both sides, <laughs> um, both sides. I actually believe there's three. There's, there's the left, there's the right, and then there's the middle. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm always listening to all three. Um, and I think, I think it's a great place to be. And I think that football should be a place where if you're involved in political causes that are impacting change, that are pioneering um, lives and changing lives, I believe that's what, that's what politics should be about. When you are political, mm-hmm. that's what it should. It shouldn't just be, I have an opinion, but we've got to act upon it and do something about it. And I think it's great the way you're kind of putting that out there and, and you're not afraid to, you know what I mean? And the fact that you, obviously the media report on, I think that's good. And hopefully that will help a lot of your teammates. So if they listen to this, they can, they can, if they have views, they shouldn't be afraid. Or if they have mm-hmm. a, something they want to achieve, um, not not you know just off the pitch as well and using that time as a footballer cuz like you're saying footballers do have platforms and guys like Marcus Rashford have not been afraid they've saw no. something they've saw need they went and met the need and i think that's where people are judged i really yeah. do yeah. no exactly i
1: think that's the, the I, I agree with all you all you said there and uh, i think it's a great summary of, of, of what we we're trying to do as well um absolutely. in terms of fostering discussion and 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 and, and not uh, deeming things black and white because absolutely. they very much aren't
0: absolutely yeah yeah we're living in a crazy world with the pandemic and and all that stuff so it's trying to get over that as well you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um i know um uh, i know members of my family they've had their first vaccine so <laughs> oh really you know good mean? for it's... them yeah, very few people have, but I know me and you. Like, we're probably going to be the last on the list due to our age. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. El- elderly people um, will uh, be getting it, and our parents and th- people like that will be getting it before us. So, all
1: yeah, right yeah, that's how it is. Once, isn't we're,
0: it? once we're all done, and um, people can then go off on holidays and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's definitely exactly. Good. Hopefully, it's it's going to be good. Um, but no, um, Marcus, I really appreciate you you coming on coming on to Continental Aspire Soccer TV and really talking about. Your journey, and, and also, um, Mar- Marcus, where do people find you if they want to con- kind of come and ask you some questions about, and also to come to the the BroPod? Um, where where can mm-hmm. they find you?
1: Well, they can find BroPod on on, on at Twitter at BroPod One. That was okay. the BroPod was taken, so a very uh, very creative solution. I just put a one after it, so BroPod One, um, and okay. BroPod on Facebook, and then you can find me at Marcus uh, Fiortoft. Uh, F J O R T O F T on Twitter uh, okay. mainly, and that and, and LinkedIn. That's okay. uh, some good places to connect with me. So, um, yeah, for okay, anyone who listens, and so- if they want to listen, don't hesitate.
0: No, absolutely, man, because I'm sure you've had some great conversations. So what I'd say is I'll get them to, to – so you'll be able to send us through all of that, and then we'll pretty much mm-hmm. add it. Um, and like I say, everyone, we appreciate you coming to listen to the episode. And anything for coming on Aspire Soccer TV content-wise, you can actually you can actually go, go down, obviously, go to Notification Squad on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You should be able to find us. And, and like I say, we'll look forward to seeing you on another episode and we'll come around as far as soccer TV.